Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. Well, uh, I was, what was I, a junior? Yes. And Shirley was uh, a freshman. And back in 1963, uh, in Tallahassee, everything was totally segregated. FAMU was basically this black bastion in the middle of this segregated city called Tallahassee. And I think at the time I I become involved politically with the Young Democratic uh, Club and organizing and things like that. But Shirley, she's a freshman and she's not there a week. Two weeks. And, two, huh? two weeks. Two weeks. And decide that she's going to march because Florida and them, the entire campus was, was basically getting arrested. And the whole idea was to fill the jails. And um, that's how we met. So when she got out of jail, I, I saw her, I saw this cute little young lady. And I remember it right now. Uh, and I really, I thought about how much courage she had to be able to go because Tallahassee in 1963 was, well, St. Augustine, Tallahassee was Montgomery and Selma. That's what the equivalent of Florida. People don't know how difficult it was. And surely from St. Augustine, they poured acid in the pool. Uh, so black people couldn't, couldn't go in a swimming pool, that kind of thing. So that kind of courage, you know, uh, was pretty extraordinary, you know. So I asked her friend, Mady, I asked Mady. Who's gone to jail with me. Yeah, gone to jail. Well, who is this young lady, you know? So that's, that's sort of how it started. Interestingly enough, he usually says, I'm not when she got out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a background story to it. And um, we probably met, well, like it was September. Yeah. But we didn't really go on a date until, a real date until November. November. Yeah. She wouldn't go, she wouldn't leave campus. So it was one of these deals. So the only way I could get a date, we had to stay on campus. So we had movie night back uh, then. So we went to see 40 Pounds of Trouble. And then we'll forget that movie. Mm -hmm. So that was our first date in November of 63. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it just, it was just all, you know, from there. I mean, uh, I was very popular. Shirley was Miss Junior, Miss Freshman, you know. So, I mean, we both were, were well known on campus, but it was uh, really an opportunity to, to really solidify, you know, this 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 love affair that we had started. And, that's, and it's just been continuing, you know. Yeah. 50, what, 54 years later? Yeah, I mean, is, yeah. I mean, and it went like this. Matter of fact, we just celebrated our 50th, and to be honest with you, it slipped up on us. Because we, you know, we, we were talking, we said, kept saying, yeah. we're gonna be 50, and it was like six months out. We said, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> you know, so we hadn't even focused on it uh, because we really are, you know, spend more of our time enjoying it, you know, rather than thinking about it. Bernard was saying he remembers that day. I remember it also. I remember being in the cafeteria and I can remember what I had on and yeah. he reached across the line and said, I want to talk to you. <laughs> and so <laughs> that kind of started. Yeah. And then I remember uh, 
our first date we said was in November of 63. And then that January when we went back to school, he came back with a Christmas gift for me. Right. And I kept thinking, why is he giving me a gift? You know, so early and it was really nice. And his mom, his mom told me later on that she let him use her account at, the, at her jewelry store so he could get this gift. And she didn't know me and yeah. didn't know what this was all about either. Yeah. I still have that gift up there somewhere yeah. too. Yeah, it was a little, little change, yeah. Little it's a little, little uh, silver chain yeah. with a little pearl on it and a little tiny diamond. Yeah, I was, I was way above my pay grade yes. on that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that impressed me too. Yeah. And the one thing about him was, you know, being uh, kind of a leader on campus, not so much academically. But no, it, wasn't, it wasn't academic. <laughs> but with uh, his his ties to the Young Democratic Society and Hope, it kind of impressed me actually. And I think that's the first time I've heard you say in a long time that the courage I had to do what I did. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> I mean, look. Yeah. After three days in jail. Yeah, tell them about Shirley dressed up to go to jail, like most Bam Ewans, dressed up to go to jail. And she goes and put on one of her nicest outfits to go to jail. That I had to throw away. And had to throw away. Because I was in it for three days. You know, they put all the the, uh, Bam U ladies in in a big work camp, and men are right there, nothing to the window. I mean, it was just awful, you know? So it wasn't fun. I mean, people talk about, well, we're going to demonstrate and all that. And it at 17, you don't think it's going to really happen to you. Yeah. You know, I had no idea of being arrested, to be honest with you. I'm down to protesting, but yeah. Yeah. We, well, at that time, we were actually demonstrating. There had been demonstrations against, you know, eating in Woolworths, for one. Our to, group were, were the ones in front of the theater. To, to, to open to the open movie theater movie so you can go to the theater. Black people had to sit upstairs. Yeah if they could go at all. Yeah, at all. And, there was only certain days you could Certain go, days. And you had to sit upstairs. And so we were protesting for that to be open to everybody, to all, yeah. especially students. It's a yeah. college town. you got two a white university and a black university. Yeah. There. And, and that's why fam, yeah. you had movies on campus because, because you yeah. couldn't go off campus. Right. You know, I mean, you're taking your, your life in your hand, literally in 63. I mean, when, when I would drive from West Palm Beach to Tallahassee, 427 miles, we had two gas stations we could stop at, okay, in my lifetime. So what what most generation, younger generation don't understand what America was, you know. You had to pack that little brown paper sack with lunch in it. And you, you know, and, I, and you had to pack a lunch, your mom gave you the fried chicken, pound cake, I mean seriously, because you, first of all, there were no McDonald's that we know it today, all the fast food places. So you had to stop at little mom and pop restaurants that were generally white. You follow me? And they wouldn't serve you. Or if they did, you had to buy and pick it up in the back. That kind of foolishness. And we just, my dad was a staunch civil rights guy. And uh, he used to tell me we should go to to a public uh, market and see a white and colored fountain. He said, drink some of that white water. You know, just as b- to be defined about uh, this custom and practice, you know. Summers, we would be apart. You know, I'd yeah. go, where did I go my first, first summer, I think I, no, I went to, no, no, it was high school. I went to Orlando to get a job because my little hometown, St. Augustine, couldn't find anything to do. So I went to, my dad lived in Orlando and uh, I had two half sisters who were little at that time. And so I went and stayed with them that summer and got a job at the movie theater, actually, black movie theater, taking tickets, selling tickets. And uh, I think you came through to see me that summer while I was there. Yeah, you were with your, you had a cousin who had a singing group. Oh, that's a manager yeah. singing group. Yeah, the and, group. yeah. and so they were traveling within Florida. So he stopped in Orlando while they were, where they were performing. And I will forget, 
you didn't get to the house till about eight o'clock, I think, that night. And my dad told me I had to be home at midnight. Well, of course, I didn't get there. And he was very upset. <laughs> Said he was gonna send me home to my grandmother. My, by the way, I grew up with my grandmother. And um, I, I think I caught the bus and went back home, went back to my, to my grandmother's house. It's his, time his to mother, leave. Yeah, it was time to leave. It's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> time to leave. <laughs> so that was the first summer, summer of 64. Well, you know, let me just say this. I came from a family. My mom and dad uh, both passed, but I've been married for 63 years. So I grew up in a house that I saw nothing but love. My dad was just, he was just a great father and husband. He did the whole thing. Black school teacher, principal, you know. Uh, we were solidly middle class because my mom was the best economics person I've ever seen. And a lot of the skills that we employ today came from my mom on how she would take a black teacher's salary. And black teachers made half of what white teachers made. Let's just be clear about that. So to raise five kids, and we had, my dad built this big house. I mean, he was just ingenious in terms of how to utilize money and the whole thing. You know, so that kind of background I brought into, you know, the relationship. And Shirley had a similar background growing up with her grandmother, who was just very smart, you know, had mother wit and really understood her place in this world. And that and you could see that in Shirley now. Interestingly enough though, when I when I met Bernard and I met some of the kids from West Palm Beach where he's from, they would say, Have you seen their house? And I'd say, No, it takes up the whole half a block. Yeah. And when I did get to see it, it literally is a wall. Yeah. It took up quite a bit. I must admit, I felt a little Funny because I grew up on a little dirt road. Yeah. In a shotgun house. She's a poor house girl. My grandmother. I was a poor girl. Yeah. I had to work to go to school, you know, a scholarship that I lost because I changed my major. That, you got in jail. That's what they took. Didn't they take your scholarship? No, 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 Did they no, take no, it in? No, I got a D in, in, in uh, qualitative analysis. Because you hanging out with me. Because you were going me. to lab with me for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> and rushing me through my lab experiments. <laughs> But I, my major actually was pharmacy when I went to school. My high school guidance counselor knew I was smart, and she said, you can do this, you know. Not that I necessarily wanted to be a pharmacist, but, you know, that was my scholarship. And then I changed my major the next year to English, which mm -hmm. is what I was interested in anyway. Literature and stuff. And he helped with that qualitative analysis stuff. Yeah. But anyway, growing up with my grandmother, the thing she used to always tell me about any young man or whatever that I was interested in, that was interested in me, is how does he treat his mother and how does he treat his sisters? And if that's with respect and love and kindness and caring, then that's how you can expect to be treated. And so when I started with him, dating him, my dad didn't like him. Yeah. Nobody was good enough for his firstborn, I think. When Mama told me that, yeah, I started thinking about it, you know? And I guess we we got back to school after after that semester. And I remember you met me at the at the uh, at the dormitory because you used to ride the bus to school. And uh, Tinka and everybody looked out the window and said they saw you out there and we were hugging or something, whatever. They said, we knew y'all were gonna be okay. <laughs> Which was funny, because we were out of our friends. We probably were the first group that was just going with each other, you know, kind of thing. Now, Bernard was two years ahead of me. He stayed around, he graduated a semester ahead of me, okay? He could have had his masters by then, but anyway. Well, I was waiting. Yeah. <laughs> what can I yeah. say? So that was that. You're having too much fun, right. fam, you believe me. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of South, my sophomore year. Oh yeah, for you, for you. Then that summer it was the summer you went to. Uh, yeah, to DC. DC. Yeah. And because we decided then, we were thinking. Well, like, I used to go to then. Palm Beach and paint houses. I was a painter. Remember, we painted a lot of our houses. 
we don't pay them anymore, <laughs> but this is another way to save money. But I, you couldn't make any money in this house. You just couldn't. You know, so I got a job uh, working at the post office in Washington, D.C. I stayed with my cousin, Ed Summer Kinsey. Of Summer of 64. Mm -hmm. And I made really good I'm money. 65. Yeah. 65. I made really good money. And I would send my paychecks home. I would send it to her. And that's when I, I think I bought, did I buy the ring then? Yeah. Yeah, I bought yeah. I my went down, year. yeah, junior year. I bought a ring, even though we didn't get married for a year, but I knew this was going to happen. So, uh, and, and frugality <laughs> is one of our strengths today. Being frugal is the only way to, to live, frankly. So, uh, we bought, and I gave it a whole set. Yeah. I just said, look, <laughs> you hold on to it, because this is going to happen. <laughs> you know. uh, but the idea that he would he would uh, entrust me with, I mean, he, he had two jobs, actually. Mm -hmm. So I think one job you I was a lifeguard in the evening. And I worked at the post office 12 hours. No, I was a lifeguard in the morning and 12 hour shifts at the post office. They used to call me Gator because I was from Florida. And I was probably 130, 130 pounds. But I got I always had a strong work ethic as I have now. And uh, I remember on Tuesdays, the Time Magazine trucks would come in. It was an 80 footer, another but Time Magazines. And they would put me on that. And me and another guy, we would just unload this thing. I mean, it was really heavy. But I enjoyed the work. It, you know, it was good. It was tremendous pay compared to Palm Beach. And I knew we were working, I, we were working for something bigger, you know, uh, our future. Yeah, yeah. And my sister used to always say, he's sending me his money? I said, this is our money now. Yeah. We had a joint account. I think we opened yeah. it. I guess we must have opened it before yeah. we worked for the summer or something yeah. like that. And um, she would want to borrow money. And she, I said, nope, I'm not touching that. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. And we did, we did. Yeah, it was, well, that it summer was. and the next summer, you did the yeah. same thing. And, you know, it, it, it turned out to be that, you know, Shirley needed money for school. You know, that I use that, but you know, and but so every once in a while he would have to, yeah, I would have to bail me out with, yeah. uh, with uh, books and, uh, books you know. and, and um, Dawn, meal, meal yeah, plan, the meal yeah. plan, my meal plan because I, you know. I lived on but campus. But we, 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 were, we were committed, you know, I mean, we, we, we knew this thing was, was, was on the right track. I mean, I just knew we were going to do this, so just a question the next summer, just skipping ahead, next summer, I was uh, I went to the park. I was a park ranger in Grand Canyon, which was a tremendous experience. And we did the same thing. Worked, mm -hmm. saved money, you know, for what we now knew would be, you know, we were going to be getting married. So I was working during the summer, too, except I had to save my money to go back to school. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah. But that, that experience, it did two things. One, I had never been on an airplane, had never seen a mountain, had never been really other than Washington DC had not been anywhere outside of Florida and Georgia. So this was like, it opened up my world and that world hasn't decreased since then. And I saw things in Grand Canyon that I mean, it just changed my life. So it got us to the West. I got a chance, um, matter of fact, the Department of Interior was integrating the park service. So we were like the first park rangers in the park service, it's a big deal. So I told him I would not go to Grand Canyon unless you brought my boy, Nick Walker, my best, my best, uh, best man and my best friend from Atlanta. Uh, so we both went to Grand Canyon and it just changed my life because we learned so much. I mean, white people didn't like us and the Indians didn't like us because we were the police. But even with all of that, we found so much to learn and grow on. 
And that's the fun foundation of our lives now. Discovery, learning, enjoying, finding out new things. So we had a supervisor named uh, Taylor, and then we'll forget it from Mississippi. Yeah, he wanted, he wanted, he did not want us there. And he told us that the first day. We had 12 weeks. So his way of trying to run us out was putting us on the graveyard shift every night. So check this out. We're in the middle of Arizona, out five miles from the camp, mm-hmm. black dark. I mean, it's scary out there. I mean, they used to give us a 38, you know, but at night, you know, people are coming in. The Indians are almost, you know, were, you know, on the weekends, people, are, alcohol, the whole thing. Instead of just succumbing to that, Nick and I decided that we were going to say, okay, you want us to do this. So what we did, we worked at night and we used the daytime to hike and to discover the park and learn so much. I mean, we, you know, went down to Phantom Ranch and, you know, we just learned about what the park system was. And that changed from there. So we leave there. We come to Los Angeles to visit my friend, uh, John Clayton. This is 66. So now we, but we go through Las Vegas because we had always wanted to go to Las Vegas. Another West Palm Beach friend, Leander Curtsy, stayed with him, came to LA, stayed with John Clayton, and then went to San Francisco. So I was, I was good to go. I mean, for a Florida boy to have seen all of this in one summer, it just changed how we saw our lives. So we go back and, um, you know, we literally get married that following February. Now check this out. During the spring, uh, fall semester, I began to interview for, for a permanent job. So Mr. Cunningham, who was our career guidance counselor, really good guy, he kept putting me in good situations to find a job. And uh, Humble Oil Company, Exxon, were looking to integrate its West Coast with a black sales rep. And guess what? They chose me, even though my grades weren't that good. But we really, even as much as I like California and all that, we really wanted to live in Atlanta. Atlanta was the mecca for black folks. Plus all our friends were going there. Yeah, all our friends were going there, there in Miami, that kind of thing. So we ended up taking this job in California and it literally was the best thing that ever happened to us, you know. And we'll talk, we can talk about that later. And moving to Los Angeles in 1967 literally was like going to a foreign country, yeah. actually. I think I'd flown once, yeah. a short flight. Yeah, I'd you never flew, flown. You flew out here once. Uh, yeah, I came out for uh, spring break because I was still in school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, back up. He left me <laughs> three four days day. after we were yeah. married. Four days after we were married. I used to say three days, but that would have meant you left on Valentine's Day. And Obviously no, I, didn't leave then. No. And came, you know, came to work. And so then I came up spring break. Crenshaw, I'd never seen streets that <laughs> Dresses were shorter than I thought. I used to make my clothes for one thing. And so I thought my little skirt was short, but I got here and they were like, oh gosh. I was a little country bumpkin. Yeah. For real. And uh, so for spring break and seeing all that, I wasn't sure I was ready to come back in June when I graduated, you know? Yeah, a little intimidating. It was quite intimidating. I didn't know how to drive. Yeah. I'd never driven. 
Hey, Black Love fam. This is Cody Elaine Oliver, co-creator of Black Love. And I'm going to take a beat to let you know that this episode of Black Love, the interviews is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. And I mean all communities, because at Howard, we used to have a McDonald's on campus. I mean, it's still there, but I say used to because I ain't been there in a while. We used to call it Club McDonald's because that was the spot at all hours of the day to hang out, have a good time, and for sure get something to eat. So it was the place to study. It was the place after the club, but we still called it Club McDonald's because it was packed, uh, very reliable, and I absolutely love McDonald's for that. So know that when you're going to McDonald's, you're not just getting a good bite, but you are finding time to spend a little one-on-one or 40-on-40 with your homies (laughs) at Club McDonald's on Howard's campus and wherever you live. So remember, I'm loving it. You should too. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. I grew up with my grandmother I mentioned earlier. And while Bernard mentions being with a mother-father and a mother-father relationship and seeing their love and all, that was not in my house. It was just me and my grandmother. My mother died when I was two. And my dad remarried when I was 10 and moved away to Orlando, which again was a far distance at that time from St. Augustine, even though it's only two hours, and started another family. And I didn't live in that family, so me and Mama, I call my grandmother Mama. But I had a favorite uncle who so yeah, yeah. was a principal at the elementary school there. Although I used to say that still wasn't in my house. And I had aunts and uncles. I was really raised by the village, I say. All the aunts and uncles and families who, who uh, and guidance counselors <laughs> who looked after me, frankly. My guys counselor used to tell me, look, between me and your grandmother, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. As a matter of fact, coming to California, they'll be married. And him coming from the family he came from with three brothers and sisters and me being literally an only child with my grandmother was like, oh boy. But what it did was it made us have to grow up and do things together. We had to yeah. rely on each other. We didn't have anybody here in California. Yeah. One friend. Yeah. Well, we, we would recommend... I think one of the, the best things that happened yeah, was coming to California. Right. Had we been in Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, Miami, or Atlanta, yeah. we would have been okay. But one of the things that I see couples do is have problems and share them with their friends yeah. and families. Yeah. 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 The friends and families never forget it. You have moved on and they're still carrying around what happened 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So if we had issues or problems, we worked them out. So there was never anything going back to my mom or dad saying that we're not, you know, or, or to her grandmother, which meant we always had a clean sheet. And I would really recommend to young people, you be careful with how you share your, your secrets mm-hmm. about your relationship because they will not be used in a way that's gonna benefit you. Because people, if they love you or like you, they're gonna always take your side and they're gonna always hold that grudge against that other person. And so we always had a clean slate. When we went back home, it was just starting there. You know, it was no gossip, no room, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that really, I think, made a big difference. And we could, we could see it with our other friends who had all this stuff going on all the time. I mean, just stuff, drama and all that. And we just never had it. We just never had it. We, one thing we, we instituted early on too was that we were not gonna go to bed angry with each other. Like, yeah, we never angry, but you just don't do, do that. Sometimes. But you just start, you just always start. And Shirley's even better than I am. I think we're both good at it, about moving on. Even if you have a little back and forth, just moving on. And I think that's just a great quality to be able to have. All right. <laughs>
I think it's essential. You know, if you can't move on, you start building up those negatives. And that can be it's really, hard it's hard to get back to equal. So you all moved to L.A. You had a job. Well, mm. What did you do at first? I started sub substitute teaching elementary school in Compton, California. Um, I didn't drive. Still didn't know how to drive. And um, once, we, once we were here, I think when we were looking for an apartment, you found the apartment. Yeah. And he he'd run into two one of our friends though from Florida A&M, a football player who was living here at the time. We knew him, but we weren't really yeah, good text. friends. Yeah, I knew him but, better than you. Yeah. yeah. But he, but he lived uh, in the same apartment yeah, building. Yeah, he lived in the same apartment building. And then he, he worked he in, Compton. in Compton. So they Centennial teacher. High School as a coach. Yeah. So the school I inter I uh, did my student teaching was right down the street from him. So he would drop yeah. me off at school in the morning. Bernard by that time was working, you know, was working for Exxon, and yeah. uh, he had service stations and people under him. So he had his one employee, Jake, yeah. who was from the same hometown that. Paul Washington, Tex, Texas, yeah. from, mm -hmm. and so te so he would leave the station and take me home. Yeah. So or I'd catch a ride with one of the teachers at home or something, whatever. I think I learned how to drive a little later that year. When we got here uh, to California, we literally had no money, like twenty six dollars okay. in a job. And that was him because he came by himself. Yeah. Course. So I started this before we spent, Shirley we, got. We spent money on the wedding and the party after the yeah. wedding. Basically. So th this thing about frugality was just a big deal. So I remember I got this job with Humble Oil Company and the first day I go to work, it takes me three and a half hours to get to work because I didn't have a car. We're living on Crenshaw, the job was in Orange County. I didn't know where Orange County was. I mean, you know, you take the Disneyland bus. I mean, it was just <laughs> awful. So I get there, I'm the only black kid among these about 10, 11 white other, my trainees. colleagues, trainees. And I get there in time for lunch. The first day, I will never forget that. How, how, I mean, I just felt like boom. So we go to this restaurant. I'll never forget this either. And it's all about experiences. So we go there, and they had whipped butter. I never will forget. It. I thought it was ice cream. You know, it was like a little ball. Yeah, little butter. balls. I mean, you know, hell, I know. I mean, I probably hadn't been to five restaurants <laughs> really? in my life. Yeah, you cool. know. So here this young kid, you know, so I go back after all of this humiliation. I'm really ready to quit, but I, I, I'm not quitting. You got okay. a wife now. <laughs> I got a wife, I'm not quitting. So I go in to see the boss's boss and I, I apologize. And I, Bob McGowan, I never forget the guy. I said, I gotta get a car. He said, we'll loan you some money. And they gave me like four or $500. I went out that weekend on Crenshaw and bought a $275 car. And we called it Lizzie. It was a, a lime green uh, Dodge Lancer with the push button in 1961. And that car literally changed our lives. Because from there, all our friends were driving new cars. I even called my dad. I never will forget. Remember, I called dad. I said, Dad, I got this job. You know, Shirley got a job. I want to borrow $300 to buy this GTO. Now, back in the day, GTOs were an unbelievable car. Dad said, Bernard, we don't buy cars. So he shut me down. So that's when I had to go get this used car. So it really, really developed the right kind of ethic for us. So here we got this $275 car. We'd have to drive up to with our friends and their new cars. But what we began to do then was we, we started a simple principle that we had two salaries, we live on one salary. And we do that today. 
1967, Shirley worked for 15 years, never spent a paycheck. Not a dime. So my friends say, that's your, your money y'all spending. <laughs> they don't. And then the other thing we put in, anytime you get a raise or a bonus, you would save that. So before you know it, we had saved a, a pretty large and, amount of money. And because he had um, a company car, once yeah. he got through training, we really didn't have to buy a second car. Yeah. So Lizzie, was, Lizzie drive, was the car. Was my car. Yeah. yeah. I put seatbelts in it, you know, and that whole thing. And reupholstered it. Reupholstered, that kind of thing. So we, we have the car for five years. Buy it for 275 250 and sell it for $300, you know. And, you know, we bought used furniture uh, in our 8750 apartment, two bedrooms. 6211 10th Avenue. That's right. And, uh, and, and we were off. And we began to save. And the first thing we wanted to do was buy a house. So... What we did was when other people were buying new cars, we were buying a house. When people were buying houses, we were buying apartment buildings. When they're buying apartment buildings, we were buying commercial buildings. And before you know it, we had a fairly large real estate portfolio. This is back in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, we never looked back. You know, we never looked back. And the idea of this independence that we had, you know, had done because of our self-reliance has really been the key. Yeah. We met, he mentioned having this 19, what was it, 61 Dodge Lancer. And that was what I learned to drive on. It was push button. And I remember the first time we rented a car, I didn't know what to do with this thing on the wheel. Yeah. You know, so I'm using push buttons. But anyway, um, at some point, 1972, I think it was, we decided we were going to buy another car. What, I know what it was. You left Xerox. Yeah, you, left Humble, you left Humble. Humble to go to, to, go to Xerox. Xerox. And mm -hmm. so he lost his company car. So that meant we had to buy a car. So we, by then we'd saved up and we had a house and we'd say, well, you know, we can do what we want now. You know, so we bought a brand new Mercedes. Wait, but we started out one, the two-seater. Yeah. Then we got practical. Like we got outside. Yeah. Yeah. Then we got practical and we said, you know what? My grandmother and my uncle and my, my first Where cousin <laughs> was coming out and uh, your, your mom was coming out that so yeah. whole bit. And we said, you know what? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get the sedan, which we did. Yeah. And we kept, kept that car for 14 years. Yeah, 13, 14 years. Now, we've been married 50 yeah. years, and we've had very few cars because yeah. we keep cars a very long time. Car out there, 22 years old. We just we had a Lexus that uh, uh, was 21 years old because what we what we decided was that cars are just yeah, you know just, just cars. Way to get around. They're yeah. just ways to lose money, you know. And if they can start get you where you're going, you're good shape. We keep that as a as a, as a base point. We try to buy tangible assets that have appreciating possibilities rather than assets that depreciate, which is what obviously a car is. We had joint everything, joint checking account, joint savings account. And no. so my salary went to the savings account and his salary went to the checking account. And that's where the bills were paid from. Yep. Um, initially, you used to always pay the bills and he always wrote the checks. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I took that over and started. So we, we kind of came up, I don't know how we came up with this, but we had the saying between us that we needed two yeses and one no for any major purchase. Yeah. And, and that was part, $50. Yeah, I was going to say, one part of that day. purchase was a $50 thing. You so you just, couldn't go out and just be buy, buying shoes yeah. or clothes Because you buy it out of getting, a joint know. account, you know. Yeah. And, so, and then as we grew and financially, yeah, we moved it up uh, quite a bit since then. But the fact and, of the matter is... And now we have to kind of remind ourselves that we need to go back to yeah. <laughs> exercising that. Yeah. Wait, so every time you bought a pair of shoes, 
you 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 asked. Not necessarily asked, but I'd say that's what I wanted to do or whatever. Yeah. And we see how much it costs. If it fit in the budget, yeah. you know, that whole thing. Otherwise, you're throwing. Because otherwise, you, you start ending up using the other right. savings account. Yeah. And what we were determined to do was to actually live on. And, and we got that from mom and dad. Now think about it. My mom, five children. My dad on a black teacher salary, and we live well. So we, you know, I saw it as a kid growing up. What you could do if you were frugal and smart about buying. My mom used to take me to the grocery store. She had a, a wallet full of coupons. That's when coupons were, you know, big deal. And she would go to three stores before we ended up with groceries for that week. And she used to save extraordinary amount of money. And I'm good at it now. I do all the shopping yeah, now. That's all grocery shopping. I mean, I am. I mean, I'm just. I go. I come back. I tell Shirley I got all this for forty eight dollars. I may have a whole room full of groceries because I'm. I still clip coupons. I'm always looking for two for one. I got them on the. You know that kind of thing. So that 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 has just been invaluable. Uh, but what it does, we always said, instead of what chasing the Joneses, we became the Joneses. And I, I growing up poor, I always knew how to make things work. Yeah. So, you know, Mama was a good cook, and he always tells me I'm the best leftover queen there is. Yeah, she you is. Because he'll eat leftovers, yeah. and I can redo them, you know, to, to, to different And that's ways. one thing my dad, dad. wouldn't do, and I, <clears throat> I never liked Dad for that, because Mom is five of us, mm -hmm. and for Mom to have to every day come up with a new meal, it's hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really hard. So I decided that I would never put that on mm -hmm. Shirley. In other words, I said, baby, whatever you got, I'll eat it. And I basically, you know, still does. Still yeah. does. You know, I mean, I just say, boom. So you try to do things that, that facilitate, you know, the relationship and having more time together. So, uh, and we got to talk about during that period when we started traveling. When we got our Mercedes, we'd been to the Grand Canyon. And one of the things we decided to do was that we were going to go to all the national parks west of the Mississippi. So, over maybe the next 15 to 20 years, we went to 43 national parks. Which took us out into, you know, got into hiking. Yeah, and so. The cultures and the parks. Oh, and, it, it, oh. Now you're talking about impactful, because like Friday afternoon, or sometime I take off half a day, we'll drive 500 miles to a national park and then spend all day, and then we go to these little uh, uh, motels <laughs> that we love because you go in these small little towns. So we saw a little bit different side of America. Like Utah is one of our favorite states because it's got six national parks. Yeah, we used to have the, uh, we used to have a cook thing. Yeah, we have a little hibachi. Hibachi. We carry it. And we pull it out of our Mercedes on the side, you know, a little park. <laughs> apart and, and cook. Grill some hot dogs. You know, I mean, but that's some of our best times. But we saw so much, we learned so much, and we grew so much. Because by Sunday night when we got home, we had experiences that we just couldn't, you know, I mean. We took a lot of pictures too. Yeah, yeah we have. 15,000 shots. slides we have. You know. A whole bunch of slides. Yeah, yeah, we got married at 21 yeah. and 23. And, you know, some of that was, I didn't think I was ready to be a mother at 25. You know, yeah. I was 21 when I got married, there was still stuff to do. Yeah, and yeah. And see. Yeah. And uh, in 1973, 72, I left teaching and went to work for Xerox. Mm -hmm. He was working at Xerox also. And that opened up another world to me, you know, working with professional folks who I'd never been with before and uh, going through training for that and everything. And I just decided I wasn't ready to stop this. I was enjoying she it, you know? She loved, you yeah, know, dressing I, up to go to yeah, lunch every I day. Because I, I used to come home when I was teaching and he said, I thought you once, but the longest word I used today was elephant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with the kids. With these second graders. And so, yeah. um, 
that was really great. You know, there was a point when I think he was ready to have a child and I wasn't. And then I was ready and he wasn't. So I think at, at, after 10 years or so, we just said, you know what, we need to get this done. You know, yeah. we're getting older here now. If we have a child, let's go ahead and do it. Yeah, we're down in uh, yeah, we went Brazil. To, uh, we, went, we went to, um, it was our first real big, big trip. Yeah. We did uh, three weeks in South America. Yeah. Now check this out. Now, here's this couple. She's working Xerox, I'm working Xerox, and we made a, a pact then. I told Xerox, I said that, well, first of all, we've been to 100 countries. We did that two years ago. So that was one of these goals. Long time ago, 45, 50 years ago, I read a book, The 100 Things You Should See Before You Die. Mm -hmm. So guess what? That's our checklist. And we've seen most of them. And so in 76, we went to, we did all of Europe. Okay. No. No, we went to South America, South America first. 76 in South America. We've been to Mexico and to, uh, to Canada. Canada. That was kind of, yeah. that's easy. So we said we're going to stretch out. So we go to, and we did South America, which was my Machu Picchu, the Amazon, you know, the salt mines. I mean, Ipanema, you know, you, you name it. We saw it, uh, Buenos Aires, that whole thing. So the next year we decide we're going to do Europe. I was pregnant. At that time. That's right. In uh, That was the idea. I cut my yeah. hair out real short. Yeah. <laughs> my boy short. I was going to get pregnant. Yeah. And uh, didn't until that June after I got back home. Yeah. Uh, and then I still didn't think I was. I remember I had a, one of my college friends came to visit and she, she was single. And she knew all the signs of pregnancy and stuff. Right? I said, no, no, I don't feel good. But that's not me. She said, we're going to plan parenthood before I leave. We have to know this. Yeah. And sure enough, it was. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. good. It was good. So 72, we buy a house. We get relocated to San Francisco. We buy another house there. We get relocated to uh, back to Los Angeles. We buy a house there. So now we got three houses within the first five years of marriage. And we, we moved eight times in 14 years to get where we wanted to go to become a vice president and all that stuff. And one of the things that we figured out early was that you can make a lot of money in California real estate if you're smart about it. So we began to really buy houses with the idea that we were not gonna be there but a couple of years, which was always the case. So we began flipping houses, and I'll tell you about, that ended up being a business 25 years later, where we went into doing high-end homes. What I was about to say, we were living in Anaheim. Anaheim Hills. Uh, he had got taking a job in Oakland, in Oakland. and uh, came back home just a few hours before Khalil was born. Really, yeah. just couldn't get a flight back and all. And put him on a plane. Three weeks later, I'm on a plane with the baby, moving yeah. up to Oakland, yeah. and that's where we wound up. So we got so a free first, fly first, miles. His first early. four years, yeah, his first four years were there. So I didn't work that first year, so I stayed home with him, with him the whole time. Loved it, enjoyed it. I, I, Bernard used to say he thought I was, that he was going to have to do everything because he thought I was a little finicky about changing diapers and that stuff. Yeah. He said, I didn't know you were going to be able to do this. Plus, he, I had natural childbirth, so he yeah. didn't know I was that strong either. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, she was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And made lots of friends there. Some of our college friends, he had wound up hiring away from their companies to come work with Zerox. So we yeah. had a, 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 had a, a black, family of friends. Had a black family. There were, yeah. actually it was four couples. Yeah. So uh, when we partied, the kids are there too, all the kids are there. You know, yeah. put the kids down to bed at night and party at our house, party at somebody else's yeah. house. Yeah. Um, trips, you know, sometimes another family and kids would go with us and we'd do that. I adopted a grandmother there for Khalil. Nana Brown. Nana Brown. 
uh, who was just wonderful. I had a, she, she was she, just the best. She taught me how to uh, save money too, because I had a crib and a stroller and everything in the house. She said, well, if he's gonna be over here half the time, we need a crib here. So we went to a secondhand store. We bought a crib, you know, her church ran this whatever. Bought a crib, she disinfected it a whole bit. And that became his other home there. Mm -hmm. And that went on for the for his first four years. Yeah, because you know, when we went to we, China. We left, yeah. you know, oh, he was yeah. seven months old. Yeah. And he swears now, when he heard us say that we had not been back somewhere for 40, for 40 years or whatever, he said, well, where was I? No, we told him we went to somewhere in 1977. Where we go? We went to Europe. October of 1966. Oh yeah, Amsterdam. Yeah, that was Amsterdam. And we just did that trip last year. <laughs> and he heard us say that. He said, well, where was I? I said, well, you were banana brown. He said, you left me on seven yeah. months old. I had nursed him. And that was when I weaned him away and stuff and all of that time. And he, he, uh, he But we fine. would do, we would take Khalil, we would fly Khalil to Florida. Yeah, we For my mom to keep him when Nana <laughs> Brown couldn't do it. Yeah. So we would fly somewhere else. But we didn't stop. You know, we just didn't stop. Yeah. And as soon as he got five, six years old, he was with us. So Khalil had been to, I don't know, 25, 30 countries himself. In other words, we just incorporated him in. We didn't make, we didn't treat Khalil like a baby. We talked to him like yeah, an adult. We, did. we didn't, I, well, I, we didn't coo much. You know, we wasn't cooing too much. So I recorded the first time he laughed because you were out of town because I wanted you to hear it. So yeah. yes, we were cooing. Yeah, but you know, he grew up just the right, you know, he was, yeah, it was good. It was good because we decided. My mom, my mom has a saying. She she would say, "Man, help me with this." Mom would say that a man should love a woman more than the woman loving the man. Okay. No, the way she says it, it is, it, it, she had yeah. two boys and three girls. Okay. And she used to say, we, "We've been married for quite a while." I guess when I first heard her say it, she say, "I tell my girls that you need to find somebody who loves you more than you love yeah, them." Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And she'd say. My daughters didn't learn that, but my daughter-in-laws did. Yeah. Because we've been married 50 years, and his brother and his wife married 50 years. Yeah. Now, they met in college, 51 years, yeah. yeah they met in co also. college, too. They were yeah. with us. And Bernard used to say, well, you know, that is kind of true. He said, I said, well, it's I not that you're- I can see my dad. Yeah. My dad that measuring, adored but, my you know, mom. You know, not that my mom didn't adore him, but I could always see that chemistry, that dynamic. And I think it's smart, you know, if you can pull it off, you know. Yeah. And, I, she, and I, I think- I remember dad used to yeah, look at mom. I could see him, he, he, yeah. he was very quiet. And he would just look at her, yeah. you know, move around the room as she talked, as she, yeah. she was very verbal and very outgoing, yeah. and he wasn't. Yeah. And you would just see this admiration in his eyes. Yeah. He bought the best cards. Oh like, yeah, dad, like, yeah. Uh, uh, birthday, a Valentine, one of yeah. cards. Yeah. And we said, Dad, we didn't know you had that in you, you know? Yeah. Best cards. Yeah. And love you know, love to see her shop now. He would yeah. tell her, go over to Palm Beach and get you a new dress or something or whatever. And I'll backtrack just a little bit. We live in Oakland. He took a job in Rochester, New York. Yeah, nineteen eighty. So that was another house to sell. We only stayed there. See how you think about yeah. it. Another right. house to yeah. sell. Yeah. We only stayed there for Not only do you get promoted, you get a twenty five percent bonus on your salary and you sell a house. It's a big, it's a good business, you know, inside of this other thing. By that time, had I stopped? No, I was still working. You said work. still working. You worked at 82. 82, yeah. yeah. And we only lived there for eight months, though. We thought it was going to be two years, but he got promoted again. This time, back to Southern California. Yeah. So yeah. we wound up Thank living you. in, where did we live then? San Clemente. Oh, yeah, we moved to San yeah. Clemente, that's right. And by then, I, I, I left in 82, so we went to San Clemente. So we moved back to L.A. in 85. By now, again, we bought another house. Pacific and then Palace, we're, yeah. we're, uh, Remodeling, yeah, and that's kind of how we fell into this other thing. Well, we'll tell, tell, you about. tell them about. Well, but but wait a minute. Okay. But, but I'm just gonna say so. 80 that was uh, 85, 
86, we did something else. 89, we did something else. And so on until we got to the point where he just said, hey, I, we can do this. Yeah. Uh, what, 1989, what is that, uh, 37 years? Terrible, terrible. Well, what did I say? Oh, when he quit? 22. 91? Yes. So, 28 years. Oh, I'm going to say, oh, no, 30, 30, whatever, whatever the math is. Did you get married? Uh, 67. Right. So, we've been married 20. 27 years. 27. 20, no, I'm sorry, 22 years. 22 years. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. <laughs> no, 24, because we got married in 23, and I, you know, in 24. 67, yeah. 89, that is 22 years. Yeah. You said 67, and then 91 yeah. was when you were married. Oh, yeah, yeah. when you we retired, yeah. Okay. But 89 yeah. was when I said we kind of. 24. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. <clears throat> From 1967, uh, even to now, I was meticulous about recording our income expenses, mm -hmm. you know, and projections. I can show you some projections from the 70s where, I mean, we'd have a list of properties, about 15, 20 properties and the rents. You know, I mean, I just, that was it. Even though I was working full-time for Xerox as a vice president, my real business was always managing our business. And in 1980, when I became vice president, they had a deferred compensation plan. So now we're still doing all of her income, saving that. So I came home, I told Cheryl, I said, you know, we can defer my salary. So believe it or not, in 19, from 1980 to 1991, when I got into what they call executive compensation, so I was making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I told Cheryl, I said, we don't need all this money because we still are living kind of like we've always lived. So we saved 70% of my take-home pay for 11 years. Okay, mm -hmm. now I can't tell you what that did, but more importantly, what we did, we took that money and bought stock with it. So going back to what Shirley was talking about, so in 1980, when we moved from Rochester to California, we bought a house, probably one of our, one of our better, we've owned 14 houses in 50 years of marriage that we've lived in as what we call permanent resident. And this house had been the summer home of uh, Campbell Soup. The Campbell Soup okay. Air. It was 8,600 square feet. Now this is 1981. Two acres. Two acres, flat, with a, with a 300 degree view of the entire Saddleback Ocean, Dana Point, you name it. <clears throat> Olympic size swimming pool. So one Sunday, I go out and I bought three houses one Sunday afternoon. I used to do this kind of stuff. I mean, literally three houses in Orange County. That was in 76. 76. So before, I, we bought, this is before we moved to to, uh, to, Oakland. to Oakland and before we moved to, from Rochester back. So now we got these three houses down in Orange County. I rented them all to my black Xerox employees who yeah. loved it. So we had good rents, good tenants, good credit, the whole we, thing. Actually, we did that earlier. We did that in Oakland too. That's right, we did. Houses in Hercules. Yeah, we bought two houses in Hercules. Yeah. So in other words, we buy a lot of houses. Yeah. With good tenants. So when we get back, we get this broker and they show us this house. And Shirley said, it's too big, it's too expensive, and it's too far. <laughs> and I said, baby, we're going to buy the house because it is all of the right stuff. And the reason we wanted it, I was looking, Xerox would not move you unless you were at least 30 miles from your next assignment. So Santa Ana was 31 miles to my next house. 
I mean, but this is, if we can convey this to young people and not so young people, you got to get inside the numbers yeah, and, and manage it. So I said, honey, we're not going to buy a house 28 miles away. And then Xerox moves me to say, uh, to uh, El Segundo, which they did. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, oops, you got to now sell your own house or commute. You follow me? 31 miles. So we buy this house and this house was just an unbelievable house. We made a lot of money on this house when we did it, but we only made it because I took the three houses in Orange County that we bought one Sunday afternoon, kind of like buying groceries almost. And I moved those into a 1031 uh, tax-free exchange. If you don't know what that is, it's the way to take property here and pay for another property here and not pay taxes on it, okay? So that ended up being a big, big, you know, shot in the arm. So this is 1980. That was 81. No, but when I was promoted again to oh. 80, 85, probably 85. Yeah. So now we come to San Clemente. So we end up on Chautauqua. Now we come to Pacific Palisades. Pacific Palisades. Mm -hmm. We buy a house, we buy the right house, half acre, flat, ocean view. But let me say this, in 1967 or 68, we drive from Crenshaw to Santa Monica Park in Lizzie. And then we'll forget this day. And we see this apartment building and we say right then, one day we'd like to live. Walking in Palisades Park. We know, would like to live on, in this apartment building. Guess where the first house we bought in Pacific Palisades was looking down At on this building. apartment building to the ocean. I said, we didn't live there, but I can see it. I'm looking right at it. So I really believe in this whole visualization you know, what you see, you can have. And it was just amazing. So we, and, and you don't know that you have it in the back of your head, but you know you're working towards it. And that's what, you know. So we kept that house a little while. We redid it. Right now, it was at one point on Amalfi Drive, which is the most expensive street in the Palisades. We had five houses that we had done. And I would tell anybody, drive that street and if you pick five houses, three of them will be the Kenzie's house because we knew what we were doing. We picked, you know, we, we, we aced them out. So we started making good money. And, you know, you know, it got to be a point that I was making more money there than the Xerox. So you said, what's well, the point? Still, you were still uh, you know, on your compensation thing too. Yeah, and I'm still, on, <clears throat> still saving 70% of your salary. So, you know, at 91, we said, you know, it's time. Actually, we just sold the other house the year before. 90, we sold a house in 90. Yeah. And it was one of the highest priced houses to sell in Palisades. Well, in, 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 in March of, yeah, February of 90, mm -hmm. we sold the most expensive house in Pacific Palisades, period. And, you know and it was a house that when we bought it, we knew we were just going to yeah. redo it. Yeah. And we lived in it for four months, yeah. can you believe? Four yeah. months we lived in that house. And, but in the meantime, we had found the house we just sold. Mount Holyoke. We'll show you Mount Holyoke. Unbelievable. We found Mount Holyoke, which was just a great location, but it was a two bedroom, little beach cottage kind of thing. Yeah. So when we decided that we needed to get started on that one, and we finished the other one, we moved in there for four months, then we decided, well, if it's going to sell, we, well, I know what it was, so it was so quick, and then the guy wanted it in 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, what you want. we said, well, we have, this, <laughs> we have this two bedroom we can move to. So yeah. We just put everything in storage and move to a two bedroom. Stay there for six months, a year, whatever, and remodel it and hold it. So we moved there, yeah. and we lived there for two years before we did anything. And that's when he actually retired. Mm -hmm. 
that summer, summer of 91. Right. We've been in the house almost, yeah, a little bit a year. And, and we have been married uh, <laughs> 24 years. Yeah. We've been married 24 years. Then. And uh, it was just, you know, but the basis of, of being able to, uh, quote, retire was just, it was predictive. I mean, we knew exactly what we were doing. And we knew we were comfortable not only in the relationship, I mean, plenty comfortable there, but we also knew how how we wanted to, to live, you know what I mean, and, and, and navigate this thing called Los Angeles. I, I have, we also knew the importance, even though we lived away from family, that we still knew this village I spoke about earlier, these four couples. Uh, my sister eventually moved out here too. And we were all in the San Clemente area. Yeah, San Clemente. we moved them all to San Clemente. San Juan Capistrano. I mean, being a big guy, yeah. I could do all this. I just said, and, yo. And no, what you would do, though, you would always help them find houses. Exactly. Too. You didn't buy houses for them, but we'd help them find them. We'd help Nick work through yeah. his finance and whole bit. And anytime anybody got ready to transfer down here from Oakland down to uh, Orange County, you know, they stay with us. We had this 8,000 square foot house then, so we could have a whole wing up. Matter of fact, the house was so big, we named it, we had to name the rooms. <laughs> I mean, literally, I mean, the house was just, but it was, it was, a, it was just a great, yeah, it, was great. it was a great property. And again, because it had the tennis court and the, and the pool and the driveway, the kids of yeah. our, our, you know, always loved being there. Yeah. Cliff never drove his bike. Wrote, he he, loved, bike, he yeah. never had to go out and leave the property to drive a bike. To learn about skateboard and all that. We tell people, all the time. This ain't got nothing to do with career. It's all about your life. So it's life planning, not career planning. And if you get that part right, the rest of this stuff plays out. Because at the end of the day, these corporations really don't have a real interest in you other than your production. And when it goes off, they're going to get somebody else. And if you don't develop your brand and your idea of how you're going to live, then you're kidding yourself. And the thing that we have been able to do since we left in 91 is have, we, we have a saying, you should have many lives, okay? Many lives. In other words, you should be always morphing into your new life in terms of what you want to do. And that's what we've been doing. We did this up until 1995, I'm going to say, when we moved into the two-bedroom house once we finished that and got that oh, together. Oh, yeah. That, that was like the last house we bought, really, because we lived there for 21 years. Mm -hmm. before, we, before we before we got here. Mm -hmm. I left Xerox in 1982. So that span of time with, with working with, I was mainly the ones working with the contractors and working with uh, uh, paying, you know, yeah. payments. She and all took over. Stuff. I kind of took over that because that, then, uh, you know, he didn't have time for a lot of it really because he had to travel a lot with his job too. When we were together, we just made the time work. Yeah. You know, sometimes we'd have to do, work things out together. Knowing the subs that we were working with was the most important thing, frankly, because you we weren't changing all the time. And Bernard had worked out deals with them where change orders, you didn't pay extra for this, and you know, and so on, and so on. He, he knew all the language of that. And well, I'm um, a tough manager yeah. too. I mean, I'm and not. We decided, I'm tough in the clinches. We decided yeah. <laughs> too that we were not going to stop traveling. Yeah. That that was always going to be a part of our lives, and yeah. because that was something that kept us Ground. bonded and yeah. close together, mm -hmm. and, and 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 that kind of thing. So. Well, and this is very similar. Small here. My, my son would say, Mom, that's the first world problem. Yeah. But I used to think, because we moved so much, our house was, our friends used to say, your house is always like a model home. So yeah, because it's always going to be on the market here soon. Yeah. Once we were in that house for 21 years, I spread out. Yeah, that world changed. I, have, I yeah. have a lot of junk that I've kept, but yeah. I wasn't able, that I wasn't able to keep before, because I had to, you know, declutter. I need to declutter now, frankly. But uh, <laughs> I used to say I felt like we were in the army because we were moving every two or three years. But if you work for a company like Xerox or Fortune 20 company, you either move or you they push you out. And uh, 
So, you know, yeah, eight times. So that was a sacrifice. That yeah. was something we said, we know we're going to have to do yeah. a couple So of you years, either so commit just, to that early on, yeah. like in the 70s, or you just say, mm -hmm. you're going to gonna live a pretty fairly mediocre life because you're not going to get the, get the job. But I, let me, I would, it would say this. One of the things that I think we've done really well is being 24-hour people. I have a saying, uh, you know, I want to be a 24-hour person. And if you figure out who you are and where you're coming from, there's a me, there's a you, and there's a us. And we always try to figure out what the us is or what the we is about this objective. And uh, we've done real well at that in terms of making sure that our goals are compatible and you know with the values that we have. Because a lot of couples have the values, but their goals are separate. If Shirley wasn't interested in supporting you know, some of our entrepreneurial stuff, we'd still be working. Sure. We'd be making a lot of money, but we'd still be working, which means you wouldn't be doing all these other things. So it's all trade-offs. It's defined on what you want to do, and there's no right or wrong. It's what you Works. all decide mm -hmm. that works. And I'm just happy that we've always agreed on our future. You know, and I think this is one of the things that I love about Shirley the most, is that we agree on our future. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to clarify that just a little bit. The, we do agree on our future, but the one thing that I always considered was a sacrifice was the move to Rochester, New York. Yeah, that was big. And now, had we stayed there for two years, it might have, might have gone. That was an ugly place. But to it was, live. it was like the worst time, frankly, for us. You was, you were still kind of traveling with your job. Yeah, and she was stuck there. I in was stuck there in Rochester. Yeah. And I remember we Cold. took a vacation that June, and we came back, and summer was almost over. It snowed Mother's Day, yeah. snowed uh, in October, uh, to, uh, yeah. Halloween. Khalil was four at the time, and um, it only, we were only there for eight months though. Bernard got promoted again, back to California, and the world changed again. Yeah, Sunshine. but no, but at that time with Xerox, you normally would keep a house at least for a year before you sold it, and just for real estate purposes anyway. So the idea was that we were going to keep the house, and I'd gone back to work in Xerox. Loved my job there too, but he was. Going back to California in November, I'm like, what I'm doing? not staying here till April. Yeah. He said, "Baby, we have to keep the house." I said, "Well, we can keep it." But it's gonna be empty. But Christmas, I'm coming to California. Yeah. And I'm not going back until it's sold until I have time have to pack it up. And yeah. so that that's literally what I did. And that so that was one of the times I think it was just a very gray period for us. Just well, you know, Rochester has the fewest days of sunshine in America. It was horrible. It's a, you know, in my, in my, my, I didn't know how to drive my, my big corner office was looking at the Genesee Casket Company. Yeah, yeah, that right. was, that was my, that was my view out of my window. So leaving California and going there was a pretty. Because I told him, I said, now, you know, this was eight months. You could have just commuted back. No, we would have kept the house in Oakland. California. You know, we would have done a lot of things, but you, you never know. From a timeline, we started buying art back Right from the beginning, Ernie Barnes and you know people like that uh, in the 70s. Matter of fact, in the uh, 1978, I used Ernie Barnes' high aspiration as the highest award that my sales reps could get. You know, for instead of giving them a plaque, plaque I gave them high aspirations, mm -hmm. and we were trying then to to share our culture with other uh, other groups. And uh, we have people that still cherish that, that print of Ernie Barnes today. And I think it was kind of the beginning of us really trying to understand who are we and where do we come from. And the last 11 years, we have uh, 
we just took on a whole nother world. The LA Times did a three-page color spread on uh, the Mount Holyoke home. In 1975. Yeah, at first it was going to be on the art, and then it was going to be on it was going to be on the architecture, and then it ended up being on the whole thing. And that article was just a huge thing of having a black couple having, you know, three full color pictures, you know, I mean, three pages of it. And we started getting museums to call us. So the first one was CAM. And so we showed there in September 06. of 06. And had a huge show, probably 30 some thousand people came out. Then we had the Freedom Center in Cincinnati and then uh, Sobble and then West Palm Beach and then the Smithsonian. From 2006 to 2010, we were Kenji Collection had been seen by almost three million people. You know, which was pretty, pretty extraordinary for a collection that, you know, like most people, uh, probably get seen by a hundred people in their lifetime. Our, our friends said, yeah. I thought you were retired. You said, this isn't like work. This really. wasn't work until a, it became a became a business. Yeah. But we, we quickly decided, I think I mentioned this earlier, you know, if you're going to do anything, you ought to make money at it. I mean, what's the point? People tell me, I got a non-profit. I said, why you got a non-profit? How about a profit making business? You got to be kidding me. You know, I mean, too many of us have gotten this nonprofit thing. And even nonprofits don't mean that you don't make money. It just means it's tax different. And what people don't realize is that we, we really don't use our full advantage in the economic system called America. I mentioned about even in the 60s, I did my taxes. The first thing you got to know is what the government wants you to do. They will tell you where to make money. And if you don't listen, you're not going to make money. You know, if they take the tax deduction for houses out, then it's time to sell your house. Just as simple. Now you may not want to, and you may not have to, but you're not gonna make money on that house anymore because the tax advantages are gonna go away over time. So what we have tried to do is always leverage that. And growing up in West Palm Beach where the black community, like most places in the South, had strong, vibrant communities, like in Howard in the 60s. I mean, you could buy anything you wanted in the black community at Howard. Or what, you know, what happened to all those businesses? And that's really what our challenge is as a community, is how do we get these businesses back and get people working? If you hear our name, it's Shirley and Bernard. It's not Bernard and it's not Shirley. It's Shirley and Bernard. And I frankly made that kind of choice years ago to not just incorporate Shirley because everything that we've done is because of them. You follow me? So we're partners. I'll give you an example. Florida and them homecoming Saturday. They did a big Kenzie on the field. And they mentioned me as an alumni of Florida and them and didn't mention Shirley as an alumni. Bernard and his wife Shirley or something like that. Yeah. Said, they don't even say I'm yeah. an and, 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 and I And I really don't like that, that because no, none of us get to the, to this place by ourselves. When I showed Shirley the clip of homecoming, it took away a little bit yeah. of the, the feeling of being proud because they didn't yeah. just a little, if they got the script just to, just right, exactly. Shirley and Bernard Kinsey, hey, you got it. You know, not Bernard and they come back and you know, that yeah, kind of thing. He, he said, well, don't get mad at me about that. Yeah, so I said, maybe I had you know, get this right. Yeah. so. I, I've always felt that uh, it was that, and I think we have done that really successfully in this town. 
we do things together. When we get honored, I say, if you ain't honored, surely I don't want the award. You follow me? So it's always us doing this because I really believe this is, I mean, we could, I mean, in no yeah, way well, I could have done this on my own. Have, you really could not have done it on your own. Yeah. So. I mean, people, uh, you're kidding yourself. Couldn't have done it with anybody else but me either. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with I that said, either. I used to yeah. tell Bernard, you might as well stay. Because if you leave, I'm going with you. Yeah, so yeah. you might as well just stay right here. Yeah, yeah. we have said, yeah. if you leave me, I'm going I'm with going you. Right and it's a, Because we have seen too many of our friends have divorces, and it's just awful. But you know what, though? We, we just also awful. have friends, though, who have been married 50 years. Yeah, too. we, got, we, we probably got 10 or 15 friends yeah. that have been married yeah. 50 yeah. years from Florida and him, which is pretty, pretty extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So it's I'm not unusual, well. Well. maybe here in California, but if you go back to Florida, is multiples of people that have figured it out and are doing quite well together. And we're college sweethearts. College sweethearts, out of fam, you or Howard or, or wherever. So um, they used to say we set the trend for it. That I said, y'all got married. We figured we could do this too. Yeah. Uh, except we were the ones who moved away, the yeah. farthest initially. Anyway. Even though we stay pretty yeah. close to fam, yeah, you. We the way I looked at it was being away from family. Meant we had to have had to create a family. Had to create a family, and we did that. And we basically did it with our college friends, one couple Xerox colleagues. One couple we yeah. knew in college, but we weren't that you know we didn't know them that well. But they happened to be in California, yeah. and so Bernard hired both of them at Xerox. They had two children. We had Khalil, our best man from Florida a and I introduced him to his wife, right? <laughs> like Who's 30, Thirty-five years or so ago, yeah. she's Xerox. And uh, they still live in San Clemente. They're the only ones. Because we moved them down right. from Oakland. Having some of those same goals in mind as, as a village. And we influenced them then, in yeah. terms of buying a house early, exactly. saving. And we got so many people on this one income plan. Right. It's just, let me say this. Anybody that goes on a one income plan is going to do well. Because it's going to force you to agree on your goals. Yeah. Just what, as simple. What, and what you're you know, working for and spending for and saving Because money will absolutely split whatever relationship you got. You're going out there trying to, because we have people saying, well, I'm going to pay the car note and you pay the house note. Well, what happens if somebody don't pay the car note or the house note? You know what I mean? Boom. And that's what happened a lot of times. And then everybody goes ballistic and it doesn't come back and that kind Bernard of thing. Bernard happens to be uh, lucky here too because he happens to have a wife who does not require a lot of yeah, trappings. That's true. That's true. You know, my, that's the ring I got when I got engaged. That was 20 years there. This was a ring uh, when he turned 60. It was a pretty ring. I, I, I'd seen the diamond, but I, it hadn't been set or anything. And I, just, I used to go look at the jewels and I'd just look at it a little bit and I said, mm. She would have never bought it. No, I never would have bought it. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I did though was, when I realized I got it, I said, well, you know what? If it's not on my finger, it'd be another painting hanging on the wall. So that's it. That's true. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't have to do my nails all the time. I don't have to. Yeah, sure, because my hair. Yeah, I cut cutting my hair. Twenty-five years cutting her hair. So I mean, a lot of subtle things that we do, that just, and not just all about Khalil's. money. <laughs> not just all about money, pay. but it's about uh, managing time. I'm big on managing time. I'm not going to sit in the barber's chair for an hour or week. You know, when I get there, like I'm, I'm a guy when I go to the doctor's office and I got a 10 o'clock appointment, you got to see me at 10 o'clock, not 10.30, that kind of foolishness. Cause my time, and you know what I tell them? My time is as valuable as yours. If you want to make it 10.30, I'll come at 10.30. But don't, you know, because I know what I have to do with my day. And I want to make sure I get it done. Plan your work and work your plan.
Right. The one thing Bernard used to always do when, when even though he traveled with his job, when he was home, he was home for dinner. Yeah, six thirty every evening. Bars after after work or anything. Don't do it. Um, I think when we moved into the, the two bedroom. You said sunset time was four thirty. You were gonna be home at four thirty. So yeah. you leave the, leave the office to get home. You know. And then and my so, dad did that. Yeah, my dad was home together, for dinner. So I thought it was just important that a and family. And even now, like we eat breakfast together every morning. Yeah. That might be just whatever it is. You know, I'm not cooking. Yeah. But we'll have breakfast together every morning. Yeah. And I, I must say, when he retired in 1991, I said, oh, Lord, what am I going to do with him home all day now? <laughs> but we each have our own little space, and you yeah. have, you got to have space in your togetherness, too. Yeah, and you then you can check in during the day, and that's what we do, just check mm -hmm. in, you know. But, I, you know, we've, we've been busy. The, uh, uh, he swims, I don't. Yeah, I swim every day, uh, you know, exercise, and which is very important, you know. To be vibrant at uh, at our age, you know, because the idea is, I believe I'm gonna live to 95, so I got 21 more years to do this, you know. So I got a lot I want to do before I die, you okay? As she is. So, and if you don't take care of each other and yourself, the chances of you doing that are not high. Again, surrounding yourself with positive people, you know, we say that even. even we don't have toxic people. people. Just don't have toxic, toxic people. You know. no. We've had to let few people go along the way. And we do. Just. You know, we, we're not gossipers. We don't gossip. And that's a really an important thing, which means we don't get into this mess and stuff. So the Kenzie Dame is a good name. And the thing that I'm most proud of, my dad, I wish he were alive. He's been dead almost 12 years now. He had a great name in West Palm Beach. You know, when my, my dad died the same day the Pope died. And they had the Pope and Kenzie die today in the, in the newspaper. And, and for seven days on television, they did a story about my dad. A black teacher in a segregated West Palm Beach. You, you got me? That's what I want to do when I grow up, you know, is emulate, you know, my dad and my mom, because they just, they just gave us everything. And the way he treated his mother as well. Respect Patricia. That's right. With respect. Mm -hmm. and, and love. love. And, um, yeah, we, we, sometimes I look at it myself and I said, damn, I gotta pinch myself. I, I can't believe it. Just can't believe it. Say, for instance, somebody said, well, do you ever Google yourself? Well, I really don't. They said, well, there's a whole lot of stuff. Well, I did find something the other day, though, some YouTube things. I said, where did this come from? Yeah. I didn't know this was on here. Because uh, I still see us as those two kids who fell in love at Florida and him. And still and determined yeah. we were going to make a, our life outside of Florida because yeah. Florida was toxic then. Yeah. And again, saying it was the best thing we ever did. I sometimes think about, uh, you said you don't necessarily want to live back in Florida again, but something, they still have a family home there. And sometimes I think about, well, we could go and stay there for a well, while. We can. I mean, you know, you know, stay for a while and know. still have a place out here, kind of. You should have but, choices. Um, you see, choices. Yeah. And the more choices, the more opportunity your life opens for you, mm -hmm. you know, because. What, and that's what we have. You know, we sit down, you know, you get, it's kind of like, what do you want to do? Because the world is there. And to have the last 26 years, almost 27 years, of waking up and literally anything that we thought we wanted to do, we had the capability of doing. Now, we may decide not to do it, but it won't yeah. be because we can't do it. Because sometimes I'll, there'll be something we talk about. Well, like, we just got this car out there. And sometimes I'll tell her, you know, I think about how much that costs. My grandmother would say, you could send a kid to college for that. Yeah. You know, you, so you think about those kinds of things, too. And you want to make sure that you're always giving back, yeah. for one thing. Um, we've, we've, we've said that we, we, have, we strive to live our lives on two, two principles. To whom much is given, much is required. And, and a life of no, no regrets. 
And that's getting a little harder. The no regret part is getting a little harder as we've lost friends along the way and can't make it to the funeral or somebody didn't get to say goodbye, that kind of thing. Yeah, we just lost four friends. Yeah, in the last you know. three months, two months. But, but, but we do, this life of no regrets is a big deal. The sooner you can get it, the better your life becomes. Because what it forces you to do is to make decisions in the present mm -hmm. tense. Not what I think I should do, but what is. What we tell our son Khalil a lot is, if you get it right the first time, you don't have to come and clean it up. Yeah. You don't have to That's clean like, it it's up. It's like if you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about what yeah. you said. You know, know, being truthful, yeah. I mean, to a fault. And don't talk about people, because you don't know, nothing, you don't know mm -hmm. enough to talk about them. Live your life and just take people wherever they are and you go on about it and and that has just served us well that has served us well